Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Big Ten Hoops Weekly Show presented by Brewbags Coffee. Um, I'm Steve, and we're here with Brett as as usual. Kind of a kind of a fun week here as we head into the holiday period and the conference. We had some teams heading out to play some sort of quote unquote unusual neutral site games. There were a couple teams out on the West Coast. And I think really the, the best place to start is, is with a team that we've sort of brushed to the side for most of the podcast up to this point. But we can no longer, Brett, ignore the the Illinois fighting Illini, who may end up as as one of the top 10 ranked teams in the country this week after their recent stress of performance. They went and played Missouri and their an annual bragging rights game and they won by I believe it was 24 over over the Tigers they they put up 97 again in a high scoring game um, and 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 really their strong stretch of play has been behind their superstar Terrence Shannon who put up another 30 points in this game he's vaulted all the way up to second in the conference and scoring at just under 22 a game. I mean, we've we've been very vanilla on Illinois just throughout the Brad Underwood era, Brett, but what are you seeing out of this team that's turning them into kind of a sleeper final four team, you know, um, if I'm if if we're being honest here. I'm I'm seeing kind of the things that we had had questions about at the beginning of the season really come to fruition and not and, and not be things holding the Illini back. Um you know, we, we knew we knew what Terrence Shannon was. We knew we knew how he played. We knew that was maybe the second best that he's the second best player in the Big Ten um, behind Zach Eady. And, um, you know, he's all the way up at third on Ken Palm's player of the year uh, standings right now, which is really, really impressive, you know, considering the huge load that he's kind of had to take on you know, just to kind of get Illinois a bunch of these wins, but he's also not really sacrificing efficiency. I mean, you can look at his his stat line from from the Missouri game and, you know, he was seven of eight from two. He hit two of six threes and he got to the free throw line 16 times. I mean, he's really doing it, doing it all for Illinois. He also had 11 rebounds. I mean, I don't really know what more you could want out of him, but the big thing is they're getting other guys to step up now. And against Missouri, it was Qu- Quincy Guerriere with uh, five threes on in route to 28 points. So we're seeing more consistent contributions from guys that aren't Terrence Shannon. Um, and sure, you know, sometimes it's Domask, sometimes it's Hawkins, sometimes it's Guerriere. But the important thing is that someone is stepping up on a consistent basis, which is huge. I think an interesting note is they've really been shortening their rotation. Um, they're basically playing seven guys more than 10 minutes. And then even guys like Danger have really kind of fallen off a little bit in terms of playing time. So I think that's going to be interesting to monitor to see if a seven man rotation can really make it through the in the conference season. But they're they're increasing their offensive efficiency while not sacrificing anything on the defensive end. They rank, you know, 21st in offense and 13th in in defense per Ken Palm and not sacrificing defense, you know, when, when the offense is cooking uh, really kind of says a lot about the focus of this team. And it seems like they're a lot more put together and, and organized than even last year when, uh, you know, there was a lot of kind of stuff going on behind the scenes, it seemed like. Yeah. And I think just a couple other comments, you know, first shooting can cure, a lot of ills, right? And I think you know you you mentioned that um, the the secondary guy that steps up is is kind of a different person each each week. And so even though Taryn Shannon is carrying an incredible load, when you have Joe Mosk and Guerriere that can help 
spread the floor. You know, it, it's funny, right? Because one of the biggest questions coming into this year with the team was how can you possibly make this offense work with Ty Rogers as your point guard who can't really help space the floor, but they're getting that floor spacing. And you know, I think the emer the I mean not the emergence of Shannon, but the emergence of Gary and Domask as legit guys that can get you 20 to 30 in any game alongside Shannon, what it's really allowed is is for Coleman Hawkins to be that sort of Swiss Army knife that I, I think he struggled to be when he was expected to be like the number two contributor. But now when you can kind of just give him the ball and let him, you know, let him create, he's got all these guys who can knock down shots next to him. And it's, it's sort of working. And especially when he's not expected to be the number two guy in terms of scoring, um, it, it, it's all working out right now. So we'll see how this translates into conference play, but um, you've got to really, really be excited. I think if you're an Illinois fan, yeah, and I think maybe the last thing I'll say is just, the the second tier of like title contenders nationally is is sort of a big mess of blah right now you know i think there there are like a there are probably maybe four to six teams that are you know legit call it top five teams that'll be there for the rest of the year you know your kansas's your arizona's your Purdue's, but after that it's a it's a big mess and so you know, we can see that just by Illinois putting together, you know, two to three weeks of good play. They've sort of bolted themselves into that next group of teams there. And so and it, it speaks to the state of just like where college basketball is in that jumbled up, you know, second tier right now. But um, kudos to Illinois for capitalizing. They're probably going to have more momentum than anybody going into conference play here. Speaking of teams that are sort of quietly um, building momentum, um, we wanted to talk about the Maryland Terrapins, who... Um, you know, we very much chronicled their struggles at the start of the season. And it, 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 both Brett, you and I had them ranked in the top four of our preseason picks for the conference this year, um, almost by default in a way, um, because they had so much talent returning. They struggled, but they've quietly won seven of eight, highlighted this week by a win out in Los Angeles. Um, at Pauley Pavilion over the UCLA Bruins. Now, you know, there was a lot of talk after this game just about the NIL and the Bruins and, you know, how rough of a season they're having. But, uh, you know, Jameer Young scored 37 points in this game. I saw some stat that said something like that was like the highest individual scoring performance that like any non-conference opponent had put up like ever at Pauley or something. So, um, that someone can fact check me on that, but he's he's quietly kind of returning to all um, conference form. He's he's fourth in the conference in scoring at at 19.3 points a game. Uh, but all of a sudden, Maryland looks like they have some momentum. Brent, what, what do you think about that? And are you surprised that they've been able to turn it around? Yes and no. I think we saw the losing three of their first four games to and two of those to pretty subpar teams was obviously cause for concern. So it's been good to see them just stacking wins. You know, we, we talk about that a lot and they are, but also context kind of needs to be taken into account and they've beaten up on, you know, out of those seven wins, six of them have come from teams ranked worse than a hundred, a hundred and Ken Palm. And that's Penn state uh, was the best out of those teams they beat. And that needed overtime. Um, so, you know, UMBC is in the 300 South Alabama is 170 riders 270. So I think, I think you need to kind of look at that and say, okay, it's good that they're at least getting their heads put on right and, and figuring out how to win these games and winning some of them big. But 
and but you know going into poly is never easy even though ucla is is definitely down this year um but you know i think i think little pat on the back to us for for predicting the uh somewhat atomic brick fest i think was was your verbiage last week uh you know this i i hope you took the under in this one because it ended up as 69 60 and like Sure. There's there's a lot to like. I think seeing Jameer Young be aggressive and, you know, just get around the hoop, make three like make his threes and and get to the line is is good. And then, we're you know, we'd been wondering where Dante Scott had been hiding all year. Um, And to see him come back with with 17 and six is is definitely encouraging, especially, you know, we had talked about kind of the one player for UCLA to watch uh, being a Dembona, their big guy. So seeing him kind of get have some success inside was is definitely good for for Maryland fans. Um, still worried about Julian Reese. Uh, had one point uh, in the game and was one of six from the free throw line. Uh, four rebounds and and fouled out uh, in geez 22 minutes. So you know there's still stuff there's still stuff that's being put together. I think that Kevin Willard needs to figure out. I think that the floor spacing is still a a huge issue. They're still 336th in the country in threes at 27 and a half percent. And, you know, they've got one more tune-up game than they play Purdue. So I think they're going to ratchet up in difficulty quite quickly, but it's good to see them at least kind of resurrect their season a little bit before things get get really difficult. Yeah, so with, with that, I think we'll, we'll, we'll switch gears a little bit to another team that went out west and, and got a surprising victory. The Northwestern Wildcats went into Phoenix and defeated the Arizona State Sun Devils by, um, in, 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 in what really was a blowout, they ended up winning by 19 points. They outscored Arizona State 36 to 13 in the first half. So really kind of clamped down on defense. They held the Sun Devils to 31% shooting from the field, 16.7% from three. Um, and Boo Booey led the way with uh, 22.7 rebounds and three assists. So Northwestern's kind of, off the schneid after that perplexing loss to Chicago State. That Chicago State, they've come back. They've beaten DePaul. They've beaten Arizona State. I mean, you you look up at them. They're they're nine and two. They have that win over Purdue. Uh, but I think weirdly, in a somewhat like shocking turn from last year, consistency seems like it's is going to be the problem with this team. You don't really know what you're getting night in and night out with them. I mean, what do what do we make of the Wildcats as they um, sort of get to the end of their their non-conference play here, especially after this win. I think this win is is a sign that they've really kind of been able to put that loss to Chicago State behind them. You know, there was a little iffy against DePaul, uh, only scoring 56 points. Um, but, you know, they came out, they've, they've now held two straight opponents under 50 points in, in games that had over 60 possessions. So, you know, really good to see them kind of putting that defensive, the poor defensive showing against Chicago State behind them. Uh, and really just kind of focusing on on taking care of business now. I mean, Arizona State's not great, but they definitely have have some some solid talent. And it was basically a home game for them. Um, and, you know, a former big, big 10 fans from a few years ago will, will recognize that Adam Miller is now for some reason out at Arizona State. Um, and Frankie Collins was at Michigan for a bit. So there's definitely some big 10 level ish talent. Um, so holding them to 46 points is is no laughing matter. So I think it's just going to be, again, finding those consistent you know, those, the, those consistent shot makers outside of Boo Booey. And now, I mean, Brooks Barnheiser has been putting together a really, really nice season, um, chipped in 16 points against the Sun Devils. Um, and, you know, you get 12 from Ty Berry and then it kind of falls off. But, you know, that's kind of what you can expect. I think getting a little more 
consistent contribution from from Barry and Langborg and and even Nicholson, I guess, uh, would go a long way. But when you have Boo Booey, you're never going to be in a bad position in, in the Big Ten. It's just kind of a question of of whether they can bring the offensive talent on a night in and night night in night out basis. Um, but I think it's good to see them just really kind of getting their head down and taking care of business when they when they really needed it after a a, a really bad loss. Yeah, and maybe just the one thing we should qualify. So Arizona State is ranked, I believe, 145th in the net right now. So, you know, we should put this win in proper context. You know, they're coming off a, um, a, a game where they got blown out by TCU earlier last week. They also lost to, to San Diego. And so, you know, they've Arizona State's kind of had, had struggles of their own to deal with this year. Um, so, you know, while it, it's great for Northwestern to have gone out there and, you know, taking care of business of a, a team in a, in a de facto true road game, um, you know, this is by no means like a quad one win. Um, so keeping that in its context there. Um, the final, I think maybe surprisingly good result that we wanted to talk about with respect to a um, a, a team going out on the road and taking care of business are the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I mean, we're really going to have to start taking this team seriously as like a NCAA tournament contender. They went on the road to Manhattan, Kansas, and then beat the Kansas State Wildcat. Also, also, you know, by by 16, another strong defensive performance where they held Kansas State to 25% shooting and, and 13% shooting from three. Rink Mass led the way with 19 points. Bryce Williams added another 10, and they kind of got solid com- contributions from, you know, a number of guys all up and down the the board. Again, you know, they're, they're nine and two. You know, they're really doing a lot of this without, like, Tomonaga playing out of his mind, and they're going to head into conference play sort of in in a solid position without you know with with a resume that i think is um in position where they just need to go maybe a game or two over 500 and and they'll probably have a solid tournament resume another quality win that i think brett i was admittedly a little bit surprised by what did you think i I think surprise is a is a very good word i mean you know kansas state is definitely not the team they were last year but they still have a lot of talent with guys like kaluma and tyler perry and and again, we've never really, you know, for, for everything we've talked about Nebraska, it's we've always been curious, I guess is a nice word to say about their defensive potential. Um, you know, we, we know that they have a lot of talented scorers with with Mast, with Williams, with Gary, with Tominaga. And um, it's just kind of a question of how it's going to be able to translate on the defensive end. And we saw kind of the worst at with that loss at Creighton. But to hold this Kansas State team to 46 points at home is is very impressive. Um that's not even 0.7 points per possession, and Nebraska didn't, you know, scored under one point possession too. But didn't neither team shot well at all. But you know, I think Nebraska just was able to kind of make a run in the second half when we've seen, you know, the team kind of fold with with depth constraints and things like that. And you know, there will be time to talk about Nebraska's depth later in the season. But when you've got four guys that are capable of putting together, you know, 15 to 20 points a game. Um, you're a lot more dynamic and mast brings a, an inside out presence that really hasn't been uh, a staple of those Hoiberg teams, especially with, with Derek Walker kind of not really a threat from the outside. So we're seeing a lot more offensive versatility. We've seen them, you know, go into a tough environment and in Bramlage and and win. And I think, you know, if, if, if they don't just totally self-destruct in that Minnesota game, I think we're looking at a ranked Nebraska team. 
Is is that you know too much to say? I uh, no, not at all. I mean, should parents be letting their kids know about a potentially ranked Nebraska uh, after this week? Is there there might be something here? I mean, the defense is still going to be a little worrying, but you know, like I've been saying, the the offensive you know dynamic that they have is suited to do well. And I think you're right. We could be talking about a team with a a halfway decent tournament resume in in a month or so. So that was most of the good from this week from the conference. Now let's let's talk about the not so good. So first. I feel like it depends on which week, you know, you 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 go to and, you know, the Indiana Hoosiers are either on the good side or the bad side. Um, what we want to just briefly mention for those that may have not been paying attention is they really avoided a, a massive upset um, against Moorhead State earlier this week, winning just by one point at home. And really, if it weren't for... <laughs> 18 points from Anthony Walker off the bench. They they probably would have lost. Um, you know, I think we're starting to see Khalil Ware come back to earth a little bit. But you know, really the, the biggest thing with this team is just their inability to shoot without kind of Xavier Johnson at the realm. And, and like, look, you know, we've talked at, at nauseum. We knew there were going to be growing pains with this team. Uh, but at the same time, I think you and I have both been impressed with how Mike Woodson's gotten them to, to fight and hang tough. And, you know, they're already off to a 2-0 um conference start um which you know they, so it, it's a testament to the fact that they have some good things going for them um that being said i think we saw a lot of the the bad and the frustration that you know this team is causing fans fans just on their inability to execute offensively um and you know put put complete games together i think with these games in late december you know so, sometimes you just get close calls that are just because like students are you know they've got finals on their mind they've got long breaks coming up and you know these are just kids but I I don't know is this a major red flag for Indiana or is this just what this team's going to be this year I think it's a little bit of everything you mentioned sure there's less juice in the building for a Tuesday night game on December 19th against Moorhead State like that's just a fact of life that's going to happen it's not always going to be Kansas coming to assembly hall levels of excitement in the building. And so the team can, can, you know, come out with a little less juice and that then there's also being down by 15 to Moorhead state with nine minutes left in the game um, and needing that rally. And Moorhead state had the shot to win the game. I mean, Malik Renew defended, uh, I believe Lath- Jordan Lathan was taking that shot and Malik Renew played great defense to, to force a really tough shot that, that did end up missing. But Galloway kind of came back to earth a little bit. He still was able to, you know, hit a couple threes and, and score 14 points. But McBacco just missed all of his threes. The team, they were three for 16 from three. And that's that's going to be the the indictment on this team. Ware continues to kind of have some issues with larger centers. Uh, you know, Moorhead State was able to run a seven footer out there and and Ware went you know, three for eight from the field and ended up with six rebounds. That's kind of unacceptable for, you know, a guy that wants to be a lottery pick this year. But, you know, and I think the another interesting thing is how the offense is initiated. So Gabe Cups obviously did not expect to be the starting point guard this year. And I think he's got a pretty bright future ahead of him. But right now, Indiana's point guard isn't looking to score at all. And I think that takes away a lot of their potential effectiveness on offense to, you know, it is what it is anyways. But I think if you're already playing five on four for the 32 minutes that Cups is out there, uh, it's going to be a lot harder to manufacture points, especially if Ware is having trouble inside. So I think that's something to monitor with Xavier Johnson out. Um, 
I mean, this team just isn't going to shoot well. And I think that they're going to have, you know, they're going to struggle to score really when they're playing teams with big interior presences. So I don't think that necessarily bodes well for big 10 play, but their defense will keep them in, you know, a decent amount of games. Um, so that's, I would say the silver lining at that point in the season, at this point in the season. Yeah. So we'll continue to keep our eyes on the Hoosiers and see if they can solve some of those problems as the season progresses. Um, another kind of wacky outcome that we wanted to talk about here took place at the jump band invitational in Charlotte where Michigan lost a wacky double overtime game to Florida that is score of 106 to 101. So not a lot of defense um, either way in, in that one there. We can talk, we can talk about the, the stats and the X and O's because there were some, there were some wacky stats here. It, and I think, you know, one of the good things if you're a Michigan fan continues to be the play of Doug McDaniel, who is, um, seems to be dropping 30 points on a nightly basis, but um, this Michigan team is awful in um, close games and has been over the last couple of years, which is interesting in a way because there's not a ton of turnover from um, last year's team to to this year's team. But that being said, I think you go back and look at the last two years under Jawan Howard. There's something like two and eleven or two and twelve in games decided by one score and all their crunch time stats are awful. And this was sort of an, another example of that. So um, what it's led to for uh, this Michigan team is they're going to head into the Christmas break at, at six and six with, you know, a bad loss on their resume to Long Beach State, a couple of okay wins against um, St. John's, you know, the, the likes and, and, and that, and, you know, they have a road run at Iowa, but not a super impressive resume. Uh, this team's sort of stuffed in the middle, and it's going to take a huge effort for them to really uh, pull their season back together um, if they want to make anything of it this year. But, Brett, I don't, I don't really know even where to start with this game because it seems like it was a whole lot of stuff we've already seen with this team where, you know, they got good individual contributions. There was shaky defense at time and awful crunch time play, and the, the outcome is what the outcome was. I think it's interesting, um, and I think part of the the issue with this team specifically in close games is that I don't think that Jawan Howard trusts his bench at all, and you can see that in the minute distribution. All five starters played over 44 minutes, and then you you had Trey Jackson at 11 um, with Cheddar and Llewellyn getting a few minutes here and there, and at a certain point, guys are just going to run out of gas in a double overtime game. Um, you know, I mean, they were up by nine with with. 14 minutes left. And so you can talk about kind of blowing that, that lead. And it, it's not like, you know, Florida, Florida is a pretty solid team. I think they will be, they'll, they're, you know, definitely right now in the mix for a solid tournament seed at eight and three. Um, and they have a lot of good talent, but Michigan has to close out games. And I think getting off to, you know, I think really fast starts, especially in the second halves of, has, has kind of been something that they've been pretty good at, but it's just with the running out of gas and with the depth where it's at, I just don't know how much you're going to they're going to be able to rely on the one two punch of McDaniel and, and Kamwa to repeatedly win them games in conference season. It's you know, the, the offense has looked, I think, fine for the most part. I mean, you know, they left six points on the table at the free throw line um, and turned the ball over 16 times. But in a, you know, however many possessions, this is 94 possession game. So, you know, you're that's that's OK. You'll live with that. But 
I just I really think it does come down to not really having a second unit that they can use to spell some of their guys. And that's going to that just causes them people to lose their legs down the stretch, especially, you know, on the road, uh, kind of right before the holidays. Yeah. And maybe the one other thing that I'll just caveat is the, the rebounding numbers are, are not good for this team either, um, which is surprising given, you know, I think. Uh, I think there was some cautious optimism about Terrace Reed um, and him stepping into uh, the starting center position and getting big minutes there that he'd be a, a lot better of a rebounder than and a really a lot better of an overall defender than, than Hunter Dickinson was last year. But they get out rebounded by 11 um, in this game against Florida and Terrace Reed only had five rebounds in, in 45 minutes. And I think there's, a, you know, they're may have been some foul trouble here and there, but, um, you know, they, they need to clean it up from a rebounding perspective too. And I think that's been a lot of, I, th- I think that's correlated to why they have trouble closing out games. That being said, uh, Michigan is out of opportunities to right the ship from a non-conference perspective. So if they're going to want to turn their season around, it's going to have to be on a, a, a hot streak in, in conference play. Um, the last game that we maybe wanted to talk about, and we gave everybody a fair warning about this last week, but um, <laughs> Rutgers went to the dentist and they became the second victim of a <laughs> Big Ten team when going to the dentist this year. This was also going to be an atomic brick fest, and it sure didn't disappoint. Um, Rutgers lost by 10 to Mississippi State. And they did it via shooting 37% from the field. And, um, you know, if it weren't for 18 points from Andre Hyatt, the the numbers would have been worse. He shot 50% from three and the rest of the team, I don't think, went O of 11. So, um, yeah, just another bad offensive performance all around for Rutgers. I don't know that this is surprising, though. Like, this is, you know, this is what we were going to get from them. Um and when your offense is just that abhorrently atrocious, you're not going to go out and win a game like this. No, no, you are not. Um, and I think, I mean, is it time to put up wanted posters for Cliff O'Marie? Like, I mean, he's been basically invisible this season. You know, I mean, I guess he put up a, a bunch of numbers against LIU. But, I mean, frankly, you or I would be able to do that potentially. Um, O'Marie, in this game, 12, nope, sorry, 21 minutes, uh, three points. Zero rebounds, five fouls. That's insane. We were talking about this guy as a potential NBA draft pick a year ago. And you can't, this can't happen. You know, we haven't seen Simpson really break out yet in a way we thought he would. Gavin Griffith has given given them some okay minutes. But, I mean, this team just fundamentally cannot put the ball in the basket. And uh, it's, I don't, I don't know if you've heard, but it's hard to do, hard to win games when you can't do one of the two fundamental skills uh, required for a game of basketball. And you know their their defense was was fine. Mississippi State is a, is a pretty solid team, and they kept them you know under their their average uh, points per possession for the for the season uh, in this game. Um, you know, giving up 70 points on 68 possessions. But I, I mean, it's pretty much you know if you're if you get if this Rutgers team gets down by 10, they don't really have the horses to to make a comeback. So they're it looks like they're going to be playing from from behind for a while. Uh, or a lot of the time this season. And I guess you can kind of consider this a wash with like the loss of Mul- the late losses of Mulcahy and Spencer. But like, I mean, there, there has to be something you would think, but it does not appear that help the offensive help is arriving anytime this season. Yeah. If you can't score, you're not going to win very many games. So, so we're at, we're at that point in the show here. So I think with that, um, 
that covers everything that we wanted to bring up to date with with respect to outcomes in the conference this week. Um, we will now pause for a quick word from our sponsor before we take you out of the previews. Yes, thank thank you, Steve. Um, once again, Big Ten Hoops Weekly is sponsored by Brewbags Coffee Company, and you can rediscover your morning ritual with Brewbags Coffee Company and their single serving. Uh, flavored cold brew pouches. Whether you're looking for an easy way to make great cold brew uh, to save time in your morning, or you are just trying to have your coffee coffee your way while you're on the road, uh, brew bags are so easy that you can brew them in your sleep, and they're so delicious you will want to wake up. Uh, it is still December, so you can still enjoy free shipping to celebrate brew bags launch. Uh, so you can use the code launch10. That's L-A-U-N-C-H-1-0 to get 10% off your order. Uh, thanks again to Brewbags for sponsoring this podcast. All right. Thanks, Brett. And with that, um, pretty light slate as far as what's on the schedule this week. There's going to be a break, big break around Christmas and no conference games um, until the week after New Year's. But there are two games that we wanted to call to your attention um, taking place on Saturday. The first is that Indiana State um, takes on Michigan State. Um, Indiana State, sort of a, a better than expected um, mid-major than uh, most of you are probably aware of. They go into the Breslin Center on Saturday to take on a Michigan State team that's um, gotten a little bit of momentum off the heels of their victory over Baylor last week. Um, and then the other game that we wanted to mention on Saturday as well is West Virginia takes on um, Ohio State as well in their last major tune up before conference play. So I think, Brett, anything that you wanted to call out on, on those two games for everyone? Yeah, uh, a couple things. So I guess first with the Michigan State game, first, we'd like to, you know, send our thoughts to uh, Michigan State guard Jeremy Fears, who uh, was shot the other day uh, in Joliet. So he, apparently he's doing OK, non-life-threatening injuries, but uh, we hope all is well over there, obviously, and we're hoping for a quick recovery. Um, and then, I, you know, this Indiana State team definitely flying under the radar, but uh, they are first in the country at effective field goal percentage, third in three-point shooting, and sixth in two-point shooting. They can surprise a lot of people. Granted, their, their resume has not been uh, great. They have beaten up on a bunch of teams that are sub- 100 in Ken Palm, but, and you know, they, they scored 80 points on Alabama. Um, so they definitely can bring the offense. So it's definitely not a game that Michigan state can take lightly. Um, however, they're, they're definitely a little bit undersized at guard and on the wing. So, you know, it's a game where someone like Malik Hall, uh, or Jaden Akins will really be able to kind of make their presence felt. Um, and, they they don't defend the three amazingly. So, you know, with with Walker's kind of found newfound resurgence, um, you know, he uh, he should be able to have a big game and Michigan State should be able to score a decent amount. But if their jumpers aren't falling, uh, this could this could quickly become an issue. Um, and Indiana State has the horses to put up a bunch of points. Um, so, you know, it's not a game that uh, Michigan State can take lightly, take lightly and you know, Ohio State continues this run of kind of odd, oddly scheduled uh, non-conference games with a game in Cleveland against a West Virginia team that is kind of all over the place, but definitely still has high major talent um, with guys like Jesse Edwards. You know, Kerr Kreese is, is still around, and there's just kind of a, a, an interesting mix of players, although I don't think they play all that well together. So, you know, Ohio State will need a cohesive effort to win this game. 
um, but definitely is capable of doing so and and by a lot of points. Yeah, uh, West Virginia has losses to to Radford, UMass, Pitt, St. John, SMU, Monmouth. So yeah, and I think um, <laughs> not really playing well together is is maybe being generous. So Ohio State should win this game if they're legit. It would probably go down as a bad bad loss if they didn't. Um, I'm trying to look it up right here, but I believe West Virginia is ranked 180th in the net. So, yeah, definitely not a, a quad one win opportunity there. But um, that being said, still a high major team, and they will need to show up and, and take care of business there to continue their momentum. All that being said, thank you so much for, for tuning with us this week. As we mentioned, it'll be a light week next week um, as far as the conference schedule. But then things heat up once we flip the calendar to 2024 and we dive right into conference play. So thanks as always for sticking with, with us and we'll be with you next week as normal.